0: Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Welcome to Flourishing in Isolation. Uh, we are here on week six. It's good to have you with us again. I hope you are well. I hope you are managing this season of isolation. We want to talk about how do we flourish. In This season and uh, as those of you who've been with us last few weeks will know we're using the prison letters These are books written by the Apostle Paul when he was under house arrest in Rome and to ask ourselves the question How can we learn from Paul? How can we learn from somebody who managed two and a half years in isolation? How can we learn to flourish in this time? And so I'm really keen to learn personally. I want to make sure that I'm flourishing and doing well. I want you to as well. And uh, in one of the ways we can do that is by our interaction afterwards. Do get in touch. It was great. Last week we had a Zoom dialogue. That was great to talk together and have some interaction. If you are interested in what's being said and how you want to get involved, do message on the various uh, platforms you're watching on. You can uh, uh, Message our online host. I'm sure they'd love to hear from you. And any questions you've got, do let me know, and we can get involved. It's been so helpful to have these conversations. These are some big chapters, some big parts of scripture. And even though Paul was in lockdown, some of the the words of today give so much life. And we're so grateful for all he's given. To us, So do use the live chat. Do get involved. Um, you know, do shout at the screen if you want to. Uh, I might hear you from where I'm at. Uh, but do participate in any way you want to. It's become the, my word of the season. My family laugh at me because I talk a lot about participate. And I think it's important in this season that we engage and we, uh, we participate in all that's going on. We don't just become observers of our circumstances, but we get engaged and we participate well. That's our word of the season. There we go. So last week, we managed about uh, maybe two-thirds of Ephesians chapter 4. We talked about the importance of staying united in isolation, to be patient with one another. Uh, we talked about the fact that you are a gift to each other. Look at the person next to you in your home right now and say, you're a gift to me. And that we need to discover the part that each one of us plays that ultimately we must stay under the authority of Christ. That when we do that, it keeps us in the right place. It keeps us healthy as a church community. So we haven't completed Ephesians 4. We're still in Ephesians chapter 4. It's not because it's a long chapter. It's because it's a really good chapter with loads of great stuff in it. And we want to take time to really suck out all the good things we can from this part of Scripture. So if you get your Bibles and open them up, and I've said before, I encourage you to get hold of a real Bible if you can, so you don't get distracted by any kind of notifications popping up on the screen. And then just we can turn to Ephesians chapter 4. So the thread so far in this chapter is uh, last week, if you want to go back, you can listen on iTunes or YouTube, whatever you want to do to catch up. But unity uh, is what Paul is talking about at the beginning. Unity of the body of Christ and he's saying unity is the goal it's not uniformity remember we said that it's not uniformity but each one of us has a unique part to play but we need to use that unique gift that each one of us has whether it be a uh, whether it be an evangelist whether it be a pastor whether it be an apostle a prophet or a teacher whatever part we get to play we use that with humility we humble ourselves like Jesus humbled himself because he came down to earth, but he stayed under the authority of his father, God. And that's what we got to. We got this kind of moment where, where Paul is saying we want to be united. Uh, we've all got different things to offer. Keep humble. And then the last part of Ephesians 4, he's now saying, now you've got all these things in order. Now you've understood that the unity is the goal, that you've each got a part to play, uh, that we must stay under the authority of Christ. Now live. That's what this second half is all about. It's about how do we live? If we recognize that our purpose is unity, if we recognize that we've got a part to play, if we recognize that Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives, then how do we live as children of the light? How do we do that? So, verse 17 in uh, Ephesians chapter 4 says this words With the Lord's authority, I say this live no longer as the Gentiles do. For they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Paul is saying here, This is how the world works. The world works this way. It's always looking for the latest deal. It's the new, it's the best, it's the upgrade, it's the me first. It's behaviour is less important than power and position and possession. That's what Paul is saying. The world is looking for that. Now, it's fascinating, isn't it? 2,000 years later, 2,500 years later, nothing's really changed. Nothing's changed since this book was written um, just after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Paul's words are still relevant today. People are still looking for what can I get out of this? How can I benefit from it? And our present circumstances may have softened some of us, but there is still a desire to look out for me first. Right at the beginning of this uh, coronavirus outbreak, there was hoarding of toilet rolls on shelves. I mean, someone somewhere has got a spare bedroom full of toilet rolls. It's like, what happened there? What was going on? Why were people hoarding this selfish approach of, can I look after myself first? Being selfish. And there are people with plenty while others are having to go without. The world says to us, if it feels good, then do it. But you and I are not, as followers of Christ, are not to live that way, but to make the truth of the word of God, the Bible, our standard, to obey it in any way that we can through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're called to do. Paul is saying there's the world's way. You can see how the world works, but we're called to be different. And this is how he starts to explain what that difference looks like. Verse 20, that isn't what you've learnt about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus... And have learned the truth that comes from him. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Here, Paul is saying really clearly we need to throw off. It's a deliberate effort to throw off our old sinful nature. This is not about saying uh, yes to Jesus and all your problems disappear. That If we follow him and become a Christian and choose to live life his way, they'll all go away. Life is difficult. Life is challenging. We are in a very challenging season right now. I know right now there are many people who are struggling in isolation. They're not flourishing. And they may still be following Jesus, but they still may be a single parent with small children. They may have lost their job. They may have be struggling financially. They may not have a garden for their children to go and play in. They may be isolated and alone with no one to visit. We are all facing different things. And, And Paul is writing here, just because we follow Jesus doesn't mean it all kind of works out. But the attitude we have to our circumstances, that can change. Our circumstances might not change, but the way we live and the way we look at our circumstances can change. This whole section here is about making a choice to live differently. We are deliberately choosing a different way of living. And this here is a bit of a nod to Paul's other writing. We think it was Paul in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, where he says, therefore, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run the race with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer or the author and perfecter of our faith throw off. We need to throw off that which entangles. Throw off our old nature. Throw off what we used to do, how we used to live. We need to change things. It's a deliberate activity and even more so in this season. You know I feel like in this new space maybe some of us have got and a new time. I know some of you are, are enjoying having a little bit of time on your side but you can fill that time with either healthy activity that grows you Or you can fill that time with the the latest app, game, video, whatever it is, just to mind numb yourself through a day. We all get to choose what we fill our day with. And some of you might be catching up on sleep and that may be a good thing because you've got a lot of sleep to catch up on from maybe your previous crazy lifestyle. Um, We need to make sure we're using our days wisely and using it well. And, And we need to make a choice. Do we use this time we've got? to clear out and throw off or do we just try and get through it? Do we survive or do we flourish? And I think Paul is saying here we have an opportunity to deliberately and intentionally throw off the things that hinder us. I remember at the beginning of um, April I wasn't well and I had to go into a seven days of isolation and the family would bring me food and refuse to come near me uh, because I would be had some sort of symptoms of coronavirus and I spent seven days in my bedroom and towards the end of that time I was just kind of getting bored trying to fill my time any way I could and I started emptying my wardrobe. I just started going through all my clothes and go, I don't need 12 pairs of shoes and I started getting rid of all these things I didn't need. I didn't need so many shirts or or so many bits of clothing I never wore so I just started just throwing them out my bedroom door and I created a little mountain for the charity shops which aren't open at the moment so we've now got a big pile of clothes if you want my leftovers but I wanted just to throw off and clear out and to tidy up and to minimise what I needed to get through life. I had an option but it's more than just practical things. This is, um, you know, we can not just throw off old garments, but also old habits. We can throw off disappointments. We can throw off labels that people have put on us that are not true. We can choose to throw off different things. And so Paul is saying that throw off that sinful nature. And in verse 23, he says these words. Instead, this is a key verse, verse 23. Instead, let the spirit renew or constantly renew, some scriptures say, your thoughts and your attitudes. L- let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So we're throwing off in verse 22, and in verse 24, we're now putting on. Putting on starts with the mind, the attitudes. I can behave well for a time and then my old attitudes and my fears creep in. We need to let the spirit change us and shape us. These words put on in in Greek is this idea of enduo which means like putting on, it's the same word as putting on clothes. You wake up in the morning, you get dressed, and when you get dressed, you put on your physical clothes. You look and decide, and if you've got more clothes than me, it takes you a bit longer to choose in the morning. And you put your clothes on, and you end duo. And this idea of of almost putting on your attitudes, you're putting on your clothes, this nature that you're going to put on, this new nature that you're putting on, this godly nature, is is, uh, is, is what you're putting on like clothes. You're choosing again. That choice word is really important today. And what are we choosing to do? What is your new nature? By nature, I am a fixer. I want to sort out the circumstances we find ourselves in. I want to fix it. I want to go around and sort everyone's problems out. But I am learning that I need to lean into God. I need to allow him to fix me, to fix my hero complex, to fix my thought that I could even help at this time, to learn to be vulnerable, to ask others to help me when I need help. Rather than think I have the answer to everything, to learn to listen to others, to not just promote my own ideas or thoughts, but to recognise that there are other people with other voices we need to listen to. And that's really important this time. And so I want to encourage you to think to yourself, what is the new nature that God's got for you? What is your old nature you're throwing off? And what is the new nature that you need to put on? Let the spirit renew is that word, constantly renew. That, word, that verse 23 is a bridging scripture. It's scriptures verse 22 and verse 24. 22 is stop acting this way and verse 24 is start acting that way. Those two verses connect with verse 23, which is right at the centre, the Holy Spirit. Allow the Spirit to renew you. If you're struggling with old habits and old attitudes, allow the Spirit to help you as you throw off. Allow the Spirit to help you as you put on your new uh, activities, your new thoughts, your attitudes. Let's take a moment to pause before we just rush on. To consider what thoughts and attitudes do we need to throw off? What do we need to consider that we need the Holy Spirit's help at this time? So we need to put on that new nature. We need to physically, and some of you maybe need to physically get up out of your seats and and physically put on new nature, choose a different approach. So I'm getting dressed, I'm putting on these new nature, God nature clothes, not about looking righteous, but being and becoming righteous as we put on these clothes and choosing to live our lives a different way. Now, you might be sitting there going, well, what does this look like? I need some help, I need some practical guidance. It all sounds a bit ethereal. You know, we're just throwing things off, we're putting things on. The Holy Spirit is helping us. But what does that look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. And good news here is that Paul gives some really clear advice, really clear advice about what this looks like. Verse 25, we go there, we have some really helpful comments from Paul. He says this, Stop telling lies. That's his first part of verse twenty-five. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbours the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Some really practical advice there. Some simple instructions on how to behave. He's just saying, don't lie. If you're not sure what the answer is, stay honest. I remember when I was in one of my first jobs and I had an employer who'd asked me to do something. And I'd forgotten to do this task. I'd forgotten to do this chore that I said I would do. And he confronted me one morning and said, have you done that job I've asked you to do? And without blinking, I said, yes, I have. I lied to his face. I said, yes, I've done it. And I spent the rest of the day feeling terrible. I went home and I just knew that I had to make this right. I couldn't leave the end of the day with this, this, this lie I told. And so I rang my employer and I said, I'm really sorry. I said, I didn't tell you the truth earlier today. You'd asked if I'd done this job and I haven't. And I've, and I've lied to you. And I apologised to him, I felt awful, I felt embarrassed, I felt shame and I'd, I'd let him down. And he was very gracious, realised I'd learnt a big um, lesson and the next morning I was ma- able to make rights to it. But I just remember that feeling of going, why do I not say the truth? Why not face the reality? Paul is being really clear here in Ephesians 4 and he's saying, don't lie, be honest with your neighbour. He then carries on and says, don't let anger control you. When we are angry, we make terrible decisions. No one ever makes a good decision while they are angry. When you uh, make decisions, you know, pause, take a breath. Some people say count to 10 before you do something or say something you will regret. When we are angry, we want to lash out. Often the people who've done nothing wrong to us in the first place. We can say things and do things we will later regret in time. I encourage you. if you're feeling angry about something, think before you act. My advice would be to leave that email in the draft e- email box before you press the send button. Sleep on it before you do something. This is good advice. If you've got somebody you're upset with, don't just march around there, take a moment, pause, talk to a calm good friend before you react. Don't be angry. I remember another work situation. I got plenty of stories of me doing terrible things in working scenarios. I was working for a printing company and I'd asked for a financial report from a member of my team. And the report hadn't come round and I was getting more agitated because I had to go and do a report to my CEO and I didn't have the information. And I wanted this information and I'd asked for it, I'd emailed, requested, nothing. And eventually I just thought, I've had enough. I was angry. And I remember this so vividly. I marched to my colleague's office. I was heading down that corridor and I was steaming. And I was heading for his door to throw it open and demand that he give me that report immediately. And just as I'm on my way and I'm about to bash on this person's door, another colleague says to me, you do realise that his mum passed away this last week. And at that moment, I realised my attitude was so bad, and I just stopped where I was, and I walked back away from his office, and I did not give him any a grief over this report, and it turned up two or three days later, and I just was very grateful he had done the report at all. And, and I realised there was a moment there, in my anger, I was meant to make a really poor decision, I was about to treat somebody really badly when they had circumstances going on that I didn't know about. If you are angry with someone, get it sorted out. Don't let the devil give give him a foothold in your life. A little chink, a little opportunity, a little access point. That's what anger does. And when the writer here, Paul, is writing, and I love this about the Bible, it's like hyperlinks everywhere, connecting verses to verses. Uh, Theologians tell us over 60,000 connections exist in the Bible from verse to verse. And when Paul is writing this in Ephesians 4, he's probably reminding the reader of his day. Remember what it says in Psalm 4, don't sin by letting anger control you. When anger controls you, you are sinning. In Psalm 4 4, it says, Don't do it. Have it. Give it some thought. It says, Think overnight and remain silent, which is still good advice today. Although often I think, What would happen if you get angry at the end of the day? That's a bit tricky, isn't it? It's easy if you're angry at the beginning of the day to have the time to sort it out, resolve your differences. But I would encourage you do choose to not go to sleep angry. Do choose to resolve your differences. Make a choice. Don't lie. Don't act out of anger. Fix your problems for the day is done. This is such incredibly simple and yet profound truth, which we can all continue learning. And then Paul carries on in verse 28 here. And he says this. He's got more advice for us. Direct advice. If you're a thief, he says, quit stealing. That's straightforward. If you're a thief, stop it. Instead, use your hands for good hard work. Then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Straightforward, don't steal. You might be thinking, well, I don't steal, Sim, I don't do those things. What about stealing ideas, stealing a look, stealing a moment, stealing time? With many people right now being trusted to work from home, What are we doing with the time that we've got? How tempting is it just to kind of do things a little differently? Maybe you would do if you were based in the office amongst your colleagues. If you're working from home, creating healthy routines and habits to ensure you're working hard for your master as if you're working for the Lord. To get healthy routines, to get up, to get dressed, to get washed, to have a plan, to create a space where you work from. It's been so good this last season at Freedom Church, having our mornings of prayer together. And it's now part of my morning routine. I get up and I pray with my brothers and sisters and we spend time in prayer. Um, This week we've been using a Zoom uh, meeting. It's been great having all of you join us. And next week we'll go back to Facebook Live. But thank you for participating in that way. Find a routine, find a way that works for you. We live in a world of incredible uh, flexibility. But that doesn't mean we can just take it when others are not looking. We've got to make sure that we act as if we recognise that God is always watching us. I love the fact that in our church, and we meet on a Zoom meeting once a week and we connect regularly throughout the week. And I love the fact that they have got such incredible hearts and attitudes towards working and serving the church this time. Many of them are on paid employment, but they're working flexibly and differently. They've changed their working hours to fit around the needs of the circumstances we are facing today, which is the right thing to be doing, to be able to use our time well and the writer there carries on, says, be generous, we must be generous to those in need. Again, so grateful for the people uh, who are volunteering here at the food bank and the various activities of Freedom Matters, our social uh, justice section of Freedom Church. We're so pleased with people's volunteering and giving. The giving has blown us away. People have been so generous. Thank you if you have given. And if you want to give or participate in some way, or if you want to ask for help, then do go onto our website, freedomchurch.uk. And at the bottom, there are some buttons you can click to either donate uh, so you can give money or ask for prayer. For You can go on our prayer wall if you want to do that. Or you can um, get involved if you've got some things you'd like to help with. So do participate in that way if you would like to. And then Paul carries on here, talks about how, how we speak, the words we use. Words are so powerful. The fact that we have to communicate often through a screen like this, or we're having to do remote meetings, means that the words have become more important than ever. We've lost that personal interaction, the nuances of body language, of what that person really means when they send us that message, when it feels like they're telling us off or having a go. The softer piece of communication is a bit lost. And so we need to be really patient with each other and think about how we talk to each other. Think before we speak is still a valuable lesson. The Greek word there for unwholesome language, um, it talks about being rotten or useless or corrupt or depraved. Don't let our abusive our language be abusive or be rotten or useless. Make our language useful. Let it be encouraging to maybe bite our lip. You know, you can use your words to knock things down or build things up. We choose what we do with our words. They are powerful to the people around us. Use our words carefully. Build people up or older versions of the Bible use the word to edify edification is this building up when we speak truth in love we build foundations we make that person stronger rather than use words to demolish them like a dis uh, like a dismissing them or devaluing them as a person colossians 4 says these beautiful words let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone Having the right response for everyone, to treat people as uh, individuals, to shape your language for the person you're speaking to. Or if in doubt, the best advice ever is to say nothing. Proverbs 17 28 says, Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. Or as Abraham Lincoln famously said, Better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and to remove all doubt. Let's be careful with our words. Let's bring life and choose life and build one another up. And as we come to the end of this section here, verse 30 do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Our behaviour is not so we impress others. It's asking the questions, what would God think of the choice that we make today? Our conscience. Conscience is the Holy Spirit living in us. We don't want to bring sorrow, drive out the Holy Spirit. We represent God. Remember we talked a couple of weeks ago about carrying the hallmark of the Holy Spirit. We reflect him. We are his children. We are carriers of his presence. And everything we say and everything we do points directly to God. According to Rodney Gypsy Smith, the evangelist, he said these words. He said, there are five gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you, the Christian. Most people will never read the first four. That's a challenge to all of us, isn't it? We are that walking masterpiece from Ephesians 2. Let's reflect the one who created us. And then the last two verses here from Ephesians chapter 4. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behaviour. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgive one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. We were reminded earlier to throw off. Now it's underlined. Paul is saying get rid. It's determined. He's double underlining it. Remove, banish, delete all evil behaviour don't just say, I'd like to be less angry. Put things in action to get rid of anger, to delete that from your life. Instead, be kind. Kindness is so important. Kindness wins. Kindness is often underrated at this time. But I have loved about you watching the way that people are treating our National Health Service right now. Our, our key workers in the front line, the way people are uh, being generous and applauding them regularly on a weekly basis, giving them gifts. Our local hospital has got so many gifts, they don't know how to hand them out to staff uh, fairly. Uh, posters in windows, uh, people making sure they've got special times to shop in local shops. People are being so kind right now. Oh, I hope this continues that we continue to be kind. We continue to love and be caring and thoughtful of others. When we are kind to one another, we reflect God through Christ, who did the ultimate act of kindness. He forgave you and me. Let us live life as fully as we can, but let us be kind. As we bring this to an end, and we conclude this week's session on flourishing in isolation, let us live as children of God, By throwing off our old habits, our ways of living, let's put on our new Christ-like nature and let's choose, make a choice to live differently, to live in partnership with the Holy Spirit by being kind to those around us. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining me this week and I look forward to uh, joining you again next week. Thank you.